Well, let me say good morning, and my name is Tom, and I'm on staff here at Calvary, too. <laughs> yeah, good to see you all. College students, welcome back. Always love to see you back. Hope you had a great summer. Um, this morning, we're going to wrap up this series on This We Believe, because what we believe shapes how we live, and we need to have a good foundation. We've been trying for two months to build the foundation that helps us make good decisions in life. What is your world view? What shapes how you think about your own self, um, where you're going? What is the end of life? Is there a God? Who is God? Is there a word from God? We've said the Bible's our authority. We have a Father in heaven who's holy. We have a Savior, Jesus, who came into the world to save us. There is a Holy Spirit who lives inside the heart of every follower of Jesus to guide our life, to direct our steps. We are humans created in the image of God, worthy of value and dignity and worth. And we're all broken sinners. And the image of God is marred. And in faith in Jesus, the image of God in humans becomes restored conform to the image of Jesus until ultimately we shall see Him as He is and we shall be like Him. That's where we're going. And everybody said, Amen. Now, did John say a few minutes ago that we're going to have a shorter service today? Because I, I feel like I haven't been here for uh, at least one week or so. And I, I, I want to wrap up this series thinking about the church. I want to ask... Uh, what day is today? What, what is the day we live in? And so therefore, who should we be? And what should we do? And to help guide us, I'm going to look at a very small, one-chapter book in the New Testament. It's the book of Jude. So if you have your Bible, let's open together to Jude. You might find it easier by going to the book of Revelation the last book, and going left one page. And that's where you'll find the letter Jude. Why did you pick this book? It's a complex chapter. There's some very difficult things to interpret in it. I'm going to highlight his strongest admonition to the people to whom he wrote. But who's Jude? Jude is the half-brother of Jesus Christ. Mary and Joseph had children after Jesus was born, and Jude is one of them. What we know about Jesus' brothers is that they did not believe in him until after the resurrection. And you can imagine, being the brother of Jesus would have been tough. And they, they resented him. And they didn't believe in him until after the resurrection. Let me just make a point. For those of you who might be here in church today, and you've been around church a long time, but you've never believed in Jesus. There's good company in the Bible of people who are around Jesus for a long time, but never really gave their life to Jesus to follow him. 
They watched him. They listened to him. They saw what he did. But they never stepped over the line to say, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Until you do that, you're just following along. And I know at church, there are a lot of people who come to Calvary Bible Church and many other churches in all the world and are close to the things of God, but never make a personal decision to follow Jesus. And I know that may be you here today. And what I would say to you is, you're welcome to be here. We're glad you're here. You may be at a distance from God on purpose. And I hope you'll feel safe here. But, I would encourage you to think, if Jesus really is who he says he is, um, there will be a day, I hope, you'll step over the line and say, I believe. So Jude, half-brother of Jesus, late believer in his life, writes this book. And verse 3 tells us the purpose of the writing. He says, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. It appears that Jude was going to write a letter about how great it is to be a Christian, how great it is to be saved. But then he learned what was going on in the audience and in pressure of the church that there were false teachers who had come into the church and they were promoting things that were leading people astray. Uh, there was an apostasy that was happening. And he said, I found it rather necessary instead to appeal to you to contend for the faith once and for all delivered to the saints. That word to contend means to agonize earnestly, to fight for the truth. There's a reason that we did this series, This We Believe. We want to help each other say, while the world is going that way, this is what I believe. And this I believe. And I don't care if everyone else attacks it. If God said this, then that's what I believe. And Jude is writing similarly in his day. I want to write these things to you so that you will defend, you will agonize over the truth of God, the faith, and the faith that was once delivered is the body of truth from the apostles. So everything that is recorded for us in the Scriptures is the faith, the content of all that God has given to us. We fight for the things that we believe, and we say, I'm, I'm going to hold on to those. And then he begins to tell a little bit about his day, and I want to drop down to verse 17 and answer the question, what day is today? In his day, and probably every Christian over the years thought that their day was like this, but he warns them, verse 17, but you must remember beloved. I love that he calls them beloved. He loves the church. He loves those to whom he's writing. I want you to remember the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, 
in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, the worldly people devoid of the Spirit. What day is today? For Jude, he said it's, a, it's the last day. Now the last day is an interesting phrase in the Bible, and I hope that you'll put it in your mind that the last day was used by Jesus and by all the apostles to refer to the last days of human history beginning with Jesus' first coming and culminating in His second coming. So are we in the last days? We are. And were all the apostles in the last days? They were. Because the last days are God's working to redeem mankind through His Son, Jesus Christ, by sending Him into the world first in Bethlehem to be a baby, to grow up, to teach, provide miracles, and lead people to believe that God had sent Him into the world to save them and then to be crucified on a cross and then ascend into heaven. And we're in this time in between His first and His second coming. And it is the last time. Jude says, remember all the, all the uh, apostles said this, and you can look at 2 Peter chapter 2 to see very similar language, in the last days there will be scoffers, and they will all follow their own ungodly passions. And one of the marks of their day, and it's not hard for us to see it in our day, that there are people who scoff at the things of God. Do you agree? There are people who take the holy things of God and the truth about God and mock and ridicule anybody who lives in a moral code of conduct that is reflected in the Ten Commandments that you don't lie, you don't steal, you don't commit adultery, you don't murder, you don't bear false witness, you don't even envy and that code of God-glorifying conduct is what people mock. Say, I'll do what I want to do. In the last days, there'll be scoffers. Scoffer is someone who ridicules the things of God and mocks righteousness. And you'll notice that always where there are scoffers or false teachers, they are accompanied by what is natural, ungodly passion. This is a reference to sexual immorality, which is always the mark of false teachers. Sexual immorality. The result is that it causes divisions among people. And divisions in the church. If scoffers get in the church, they divide people. And that's their heart's desire is to separate and hurt God's work. Scoffers in the last day, they're worldly people. Their mind is in this world. And they're devoid of the Spirit. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of God does not belong to Him. What kind of day do we live in? We're in the last days. Good news, bad news. Bad news is it's hard. The good news is it's the last days. And there's something better coming. Now we might all actually be put in the ground before the Lord returns. We don't know when that's going to be. But we know that the mark of the last days is people scoff at the things of God. And I have noticed that it's particularly accelerated in our day. And so you say, well, then what should we do if that's the way it is? Does everybody agree with me that there are scoffers today? Yeah, okay. So let's say, 
Second question, then, how should we then live? That's the next verse, verse 17. Verse 20. But you, beloved, here's beloved again, but you, beloved, you, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. So, scoffers abound, but you, beloved, you're loved of God, so what do you do? I want you to pay close attention to this verse because there are four phrases. There's one command. Can you see the command? Who's a grammarian here? What is the imperative command in this verse? Okay, I can't hear you. You're mumbling. But I'm going to tell you. It is this verb. You, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in the love of God. How do you live in a day of scoffers? You keep yourself in the love of God. You keep yourself in the love of God. This is the primary command and exhortation in these two verses. Now let's try to explain it. Does that mean that I could be in a place where God doesn't love me? Let's understand that we are all saved only because of God's love, right? God so loved the world that He gave His Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loves us. We're saved because of His love. 1 John 4.9 says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. One of the best verses in the Bible to talk about how God loves us even though we're far from Him is Romans chapter 5, verse 8, which says, but God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That should underscore for everybody here who's searching for God, you do not have to fix yourself up for God to love you. God sent His love into the world for sinners while they were sinning. God sent His Son into the world. In love, He predestined us for adoption. We're saved by His love. That's clear. But there is a conditional kind of love of staying in the love of God. And that's what this verse is referring to. We are to not drift away from the love of God. We're to stay in His love. Keep yourself in the love of God. I think the best way I could illustrate it is this. Every parent who's here in the room loves your children. Right? You do. We do. We love our kids. And yet there are times if a child becomes insolent or disobedient or disrespectful or rebellious, You don't love them less, but what's the relationship like with your children? It's, we're not on the friendliest of terms. We we have tension in the relationship because of something that um, requires attention. 
But my love for my kids, you know, I never, ever got to the place where I didn't love them and want the very best for them. But I did sometimes scratch my head at my children and say, who are you? You know, what? what? And, and there's a relational disconnect. And I think that's similar with what Jude is saying. You're beloved by God. Keep yourself in the love of God. It's what Jesus said in John chapter 15 and verses 9 and 10. I won't put it on the screen. But he said this, As the Father loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. This is a conditional kind of being in step and in fellowship with God, really experiencing the fullness of His love. I never become not a child of God, but I know what it is to be away from God. And I believe that I still belong to Him, and I know the joy of what it is to be in right fellowship with God. My sins are confessed, and I'm in step with the Spirit, and I know how good it is, how blessed is the man. Let's say that. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and in that law he meditates day and night and he's like a tree planted by... I know what it's like to be right with God. And what Jude is saying, you need to keep yourself in the love of God. Now fortunately... The rest of this verse gives three ways to do that. So if you're writing anything down, here's how you stay in the love of God. We go back to the verse. But you, beloved, number one, building yourself up in your most holy faith. Keep yourself in the love of God. You have to build up your faith. You build yourself up in the faith. Well, how does that happen? Well, you you come to church and you listen to this we believe and you kind of say, well, these are the theological truths, the biblical truths that God has given to us and I'm going to say, my faith believes in those things. I believe God's Word is true. Do you? Okay, so if you believe it's true, then is the response that I'm in it every day. I believe that the Spirit of God wants to lead my life. So do I wake up every day and say, Lord Jesus, may the Spirit of God lead my life today. I build myself up in my faith through Bible and doctrine and theology and this we believe. We build our house upon a rock. Right after service today, we're going to run down to the cafe shortly. And you know, you're going to have the opportunity to say, what am I going to do in this year to grow in my faith? There could be a class, there could be a life group, there could be a mentoring group that you join. Uh, there, there could be somewhere where you say, I'm going to grow up in my faith and believe these things about God. We are to grow up in Him. And you can't grow apart from the Word of God, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and the community of God's people. Number two, and praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit. I'm a person of prayer. How do I stay in the love of God? I pray in the Spirit. What does that mean? 
I think the simplest way to think about it is you pray the way the Holy Spirit would pray. You know the Holy Spirit prays for you? Romans chapter 8, verse 26 says the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings too deep for words. What do you think He's praying for you? I bet He's not praying for a new car for you. It might not matter if you get a new car, but I bet what He's praying for is Romans 8.29. This is the will of God that you be conformed to the image of His Son. He's praying for your holiness. He's praying for your own desire to live in the will of God and the love of God. Pray in the Spirit. I heard this beautiful story from one of uh, my, my friends in my life group. The, uh, this couple was riding bikes together in their neighborhood, and as they were riding bikes together, they saw, uh, at least the wife saw, a 14-year-old girl sobbing on the side of the road. And she pulled over. Well, he went home, but she pulled over, and uh, she says, sweetie, what's the matter? Is sobbing, telling a little bit of story. And she said, could I hug you? Could I give you a hug? She said, no, I'm not comfortable with that. She said, well, could I pray for you? Yeah, you could do that. And she put her hand on her shoulder and prayed. That's, that's praying in the Spirit. Here's a need. Here I am. Here's a hurting person. What do I have? I don't know what I have. I, I don't know how to help this. But, Holy Spirit of God, would you bless this young woman with grace? I love that. That is the picture of praying in the Spirit. You get up and say in the morning, I want to pray in the Spirit. I'm going to pray for the things God wants me to pray. What does that do? Keeps you in the love of God. Keeps you close. Stay close to God. Build yourself up, pray in the Spirit, and three, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. How do you stay in the love of God? Think about heaven. Think about the future. Think about what's coming for all of us, that this world is really not our home. We live with eternity in mind. Listen, in a day in which there are scoffers and people who mock the things of God, it's so easy to become disillusioned and discouraged and disoriented that we lose sight of where it is we're actually going. Where are we going? So shall we always be with the Lord. I don't think you have to be an old person to long for heaven. But the older I get, the more it seems better. But you can have, as a young person, a love for, this world is not my home. I'm going to try to live my life the best I can and maybe even be as successful as I can for the glory of God. But I know that I am moving on to another world. And I want to just encourage you that Jesus Christ is coming back. We are all going to be with Him forever. Keep yourself in the love of God by thinking this world is not the best it's going to be. Wait for the mercy that's going to be shown when Jesus Christ comes and we'll be like Him. Listen, how do you stay in the love of God? You build, you pray, and you wait. You think about that. 
And I know that's really foreign, but we're foreign. We're the ones who've been called out of this world to follow Him. And that's what He's called us to. In his commentary on Jude, Thomas Schreiner summarizes this with these words. One of the means by which we continue in our love for God is if we continue to long for the day when Jesus Christ will show us His mercy, when He will grant us the gift of eternal life and will be perfected forever. Those who take their eyes off this future hope will find that their love for God is slowly evaporating. And it will be evident that their real love is for this present age, not the age to come. You take your eyes off God, your love for Him evaporates. So how do you keep yourself in the love of God? It's it's by building up your faith and praying in the Spirit and thinking about heaven. Any questions? What day is today? It's a hard day to live for Jesus. How do we do it? Stay near. Stay near. I want to encourage you to stay in the community of God's people to keep yourself in the love of God. And the last question is, and then what do we do? What do we do until He returns? And these are the next two verses. And Jude just picks three kinds of people that he wants the church to serve. Have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. And to others show mercy with fear. There's three groups of people. One is a group of people who are just sincere doubters. And he just says, well, as you live your Christian life experience here on earth while you're waiting for Jesus to come, have mercy on those who doubt. Now, wouldn't it be awesome if the church was known to be a place of mercy? Say yes. And not a place of judgment. Scoffers who look at people. and The church has a bad reputation of being judgmental about people who are broken like we are. And Jude just says, you have mercy on those who doubt. They don't yet believe. Be merciful to them. Try to bring them along. That's the first group. The second group is save others by snatching them out of the fire. I would describe these people as like they're sort of full-on committed unbelievers. And you snatch them out of the fire. Let's be clear about something. How does anybody snatch anybody else out of eternal damnation and judgment? We don't. God does. How does God save people? Through the Gospel. Through the good news of Jesus. And all you have to do to people who are sort of committed unbelievers is to say, Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures and He was buried and He rose again the third day and whoever believes on the Lord shall be saved. And you think about Jude hearing that kind of message for three and a half or four years and then what happened? God saved him and snatched him out of the fire. And how many of us have been snatched out of the fire after we had lots and lots and lots of reps around church? Listen, if you're not committed to Jesus yet, stay here. Because you're going to hear the good news of the Gospel that you could be saved and have eternal life. And it will be if you give your life to Jesus like you were snatched out of fire. And the last group, I think, are probably the activists 
who were uh, trying to champion the apostasy and false teachers. And you're even to have mercy on them, but you do it with fear. And you think about, I mean, every college student who's going to have an experience up at CU this year, you're going to be near other people who are really active about things not of God. And have mercy on them, but with fear. Not getting so close that they influence you more than you influence them. You, ha- you hate the garment stained by their sinfulness, but you love them and have mercy on them. But be careful that it doesn't influence you more. How do we live in the day like today? We have mercy on doubters. We, we help preach the gospel to people who don't know Jesus yet. And we even have mercy on people who are against us. We love our enemies. We love those. Hey, listen, that's the people of God. I think about the mission of Calvary in a place like Boulder. How great is it to know Jesus and to live here in a day that's hard and scoffers abound. This is our day. We are the church. This we believe. Let's fight for it. You with me? Okay, let's stand and say the benediction together, which is the last verses of Jude. And then you're going to follow me through these two doors into the cafe for our Connect Expo. This is the way Jude concludes. And could we all just think in our mind, we're saying these words to God right now. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion, authority, before all time and now and forever. Amen.